Right. Good morning, everybody. My name is Liz. I'm one of the associate pastors here. Um, Jeremy is currently in the Dominican Republic, our senior pastor, and um, he's doing some training for leaders and pastors. He was going to, his plan was to go to Haiti. Um, it was not safe to go there, so he is staying in the Dominican Republic. So if you could just be praying for him and that situation and that he would have, his time there would be fruitful um, as well. So we are uh, finishing our series around faith this morning where we have been talking about building our faith piece by piece, like one step at a time, um, one opportunity at a time. So a hiker is going out on this hike in, a, in the late afternoon, and he's following the trail that he thinks he knows, and late afternoon starts turning to evening, and now it's dark, and he kind of starts to lose track of the path. And he, he sees a clearing um, over in the forest. He thinks, oh, maybe that's the trail I can get back on track. And as he's walking through the, through the dark for the clearing, he gets a little too close to the edge of a cliff and he starts to fall off the edge. And as he's falling on the way down, he manages to grab on to this shrub that's growing. Okay. And he starts crying and calling out for help. And a voice answers, what do you want? And he says, I'm stuck down here. I'm holding on to dear life with this, on this shrub, and I don't know how much longer I can hold on. Can you help me? And the voice says, yes. And he says, well, who are you? And the voice says, I'm God. He's like, okay, well, what do you want me to do? And the voice says, let go. And there's silence for a while. And the man says, is anyone else up there? <laughs> Okay, this ridiculous story um, we can relate to, right? Because when we're talking about a situation like him, we want like undeniable evidence that if I'm going to let go, the ground is going to be right there, right? I'm not going to fall and hurt myself. There's evidence that I'm, I'm going to be okay. We don't like to take big risks like that because we're, we're hardwired as humans to survive, right? We look for evidence, we look for answers, we want to protect ourselves um, so that we can survive as a species. And sometimes um, the biblical idea of faith can feel a little bit um, in opposition or opposite to this, to this evidence-seeking that we, we want to be assured of the evidence. Um, but I, I want to tell you this morning that faith is really about putting our assurance somewhere else. It's putting our assurance 100% in who God is and who he said he is and what he says in his word. Um, so one of a famous uh, faith passage that I would like to share is Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. The conviction of things not seen. See, the things of God aren't always like this physical evidence that I can see two feet down below me. Sometimes it is, but sometimes the things of God are divinely given to us. And so we have to put our, our faith and our hope 100% in who God is, who, who he says he is, and the, the very promises he has for us in his word. Um, we're going to be camping out in an uh, Old Testament passage this morning um, centered around this topic. And as I was 
studying the passage this week, um, it became really clear to me that um, faith, I'm going to give you the main point right up front. I mean, there's no, there's no waiting. Faith is a key to the things of God. I mean, this like came alive to me, that faith is really a key to the things of God. And what do I mean by that? Um, I mean that we use, we get invitations of faith with our circumstances, our opportunities in life. They're all invitations of faith. And we get the opportunity to pick up what little faith we have, and we get to use it, and we step out in faith, and then God like blows, blows us away. And he says, I'm going to take what little faith you have, and I'm going to turn it into the, the impossible, the things that you never even thought were possible. I'm going to take and do the impossible. And you get to see the work of God in your life by taking up this key of faith. Um, it really unlocks the things of God in our life. And so this morning, we're going to look at a story about Elijah and a widow who take up their own key of faith to unlock the things of God in this story. And before I get into this story, I'm going to give you a little context around it. Um, so Elijah, he's a prophet, and he is sent to King Ahab um, to give him a message. And... King Ahab is currently the seventh king of Israel during this time period that the passage is in. And the, the Bible says that he is the worst king to date. And he's more evil than all the other kings in past. And if that wasn't enough, he married um, a foreign woman, Jezebel, who brought with her um, foreign worship, and together they kind of tagged team and set up the worship of Baal across um, Israel. Now, Israel's God is Yahweh, right? And that's who they're supposed to worship. But Ahab and Jezebel had other plans, and they make Baal the new um, national deity of the region. And what we know about Baal is that he's a storm god. And his weapons are like thunder and lightning, and he controls, supposedly, the, the rain or the lack of rain and the fertility of the land, okay? And <clears throat> Elijah is sent to go um, confront Ahab and say, hey, what you're doing it's not good. You're worshiping this bad dude. It's not going to go well for you. And in fact, um, God is going to show that he's in charge and he's going to divinely ordain this drought across the land to show that he's in charge of the rain and the fertility or the, or the infertility of the land. So after Elijah delivers this message to Ahab, um, then he flees the, the area, and he goes to this brook called Kareth Brook, where God sends him, and he says, you can drink from this brook, and then I'm going to bring ravens, and they're going to deliver food to you on the rocks, like meat and bread, so you'll be taken care of during this drought. So he goes there, is fed, and then the brook runs out of water because there's a drought. And so God gives him new instructions of where to go. And this is where we are going to pick up the story this morning. So you can turn to 1 Kings 17.8 if you would like to follow along on your devices or whatever. 
I'll be reading out of the New Living Translation. It'll also be up there. It's just a lot of text. So. <clears throat> then the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath, near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath, and as he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks, and he asked her, Would you please bring me a little water in a cup? And as she's going to get it, he called out to her, Bring me a bite of bread, too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in this house, and I only have a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal, and then my son and I will die. But Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. Go and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the God of Israel says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time the Lord sends rains and the crops grow again. So Elijah did as, so she did as Elijah said, and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. And there was always enough flour and olive oil in the containers, just as the Lord had promised. So if you remember from the context, Elijah is being generously fed in this other city, and then the, th the provisions run out, and God sends him to this new city, Zarephath, in this passage. And what's interesting about this city that God sends him to is that Zarephath is really outside of Israel. It's outside of the city limits. It's a foreign city. It's not in Israel. So he was in Israel, and then God sends him to Zarephath. And Zarephath is actually Baal's home territory, okay? This is where he has the advantage, okay? He is set up as that's his main dwelling place, is in Zarephath. And what's, what God is showing is, I have not only brought a drought in Israel where my people are, I have brought a drought over in Zarephath too, in the foreign land where Baal is supposedly like the main dude. Um, and he is showing that even in the land of Baal, where he supposedly has home court advantage as far as power goes, it's no match to God. God is the one true God. He is in charge of the rain or the lack of rain all over the world, not just for Israel. Um, and then ironically, this is where uh, God sends Elijah. And Elijah is given this invitation of faith from God. Will you go to Zarephath to go meet this widow and do this obscure thing that I've told you to do? And um, Elijah says yes. He takes up his, his key of faith, and he says, okay, I'm going to step forward in faith, and this is going to unlock the things of God in his life. So he finds this widow at the city gates, and she's picking up sticks, gathering sticks for her last meal. So let's just imagine the story surrounding this widow for a moment. Um, she's, we know she's a widow, so that means that she somehow, you know, tragically lost her husband. We don't know how, but that is a, a significant situation in her life that has caused probably a lot of pain 
and grief for her. And not only has it caused pain and grief, but um, being a widow in this time period means she has like no rights, okay? She's kind of lost her status really in society. She doesn't have an, an inheritance. She doesn't have rights. Um, she has no special provisions because that was provided through her husband. So she is really like stuck in a hopeless situation. Um, so not only is she a widow, but now, like, the, the country is experiencing widespread famine and drought. And so she is starving to death. There is, there is nothing uh, available for her and her son. And um, she's in a really dark place picking up sticks for her last meal. I, I really can't imagine what it would be like to be contemplating death, to be contemplating walking my son through this experience of starving to death. I have no idea what that's like, but it would be a very, very dark place where she is at. And um, we can all relate to that, right? We can relate to the feeling of like the darkness is like closing in on us and it's just sucking the life out of us and we cannot see the end. We cannot see a solution. We cannot see that there is any way out of this dark hole. It is consuming us and it is terrifying. That's the situation that this widow is in. Um, and along comes Elijah to ask her for a drink of water. Now, I do want to put you at ease that this was like a culturally acceptable thing to do. At the city gates was where you would ask for food and water, and that was like a normal request of hospitality, so he's not like crazy here. Um, so he asks her for water. She goes and gets him water, but as he, as she is going to get him water, he kind of ups his request, right? And he says, bring me some food too. I would have done that, you know, if that was me. But, and then at this point, she turns and responds to Elijah and says, I swear by the Lord your God, I don't have what you're asking for. I was only gathering sticks to cook my last meal, and then I'm going to die along with my son. And um, something identified Elijah as a prophet of God because she, she responds to him, the Lord, your God, which like it tells us that God isn't her personal God because she's hanging out in Zarephath, which is probably the, the Baal worship land. Um, but she does recognize that God is a god and has some sort of power because this man is coming to her but she says she just doesn't have what he is requesting um and so elijah responds don't fear i know that you're scared but don't fear and he and he says go do what you what i've asked because the god that i worship and follow and obey has promised me that he's going to provide for you unlimited provisions he has promised and so this is a huge moment for the widow it is an invitation of faith will you take this key of faith and take a step towards god and she's presented with this choice and Paul David Tripp says this about the situation. This is one of the many choices of faith that are all over the biblical narrative. Will the widow do what makes sense and keep the oil for herself and her son, 
Or will she entrust the last thing she has on earth to the care of the creator of heaven and earth? This dear widow at the end of her robe chooses to make the prophet his requested cake. The widow takes her invitation of faith. And she uses her key of faith to unlock the miraculous things of God in her life. She doesn't know it, but she takes Elijah at his word and makes the choice. God is saying to us, like, take the, take the little bit of faith that you have in the situation that is really hopeless and use it to unlock the things that I have for you. And as I was studying this passage, there were really, um, when I was thinking, okay, these invitations of, of faith, like how do we like wake up and realize, oh, this is an invitation of faith. Hello, I should take up my key right now because that's hard sometimes for us to, to see, right? So I was thinking these three things stuck out to me about what involves um, uh, using our key of faith, and looking for these invitations. And the first, I would say, is that faith involves listening and responding. So how do we build our faith one piece at a time, this piece-by-piece piece thing? We listen. We listen for God's activity in our life and those, those promptings he puts in our heart. And we respond because, you know what? Liz Powell really likes to react instead of listen to, to God, right? I'm... A lot of times you're looking um, to the circumstances and you're looking to those situations for your cues. But that's not what Elijah does. He doesn't look to the surrounding circumstances. He takes his cues from God. And he doesn't react in fear and worry like I am really prone to do and say like, mm, I don't know, that, that seems crazy. Do you know the situation happening over there in Zarephath? I don't really want to go. That seems a little far-fetched. I don't know, God. No, Elijah is listening and responding. And so is the widow. She considers Elijah's words. Even as, even as hopeless as she feels, she considers his words. And she, then God lets her be a part of something bigger than she ever could imagine possible. Um, and the second thing is faith involves obedience. Faith involves obedience. Um, this is something that we see Elijah and the widow do is take a step of obedience. Now, obedience doesn't always feel warm and fuzzy, okay? Because um, we like to make decisions when we feel really good, right? We want to let go of the shrub when I see that the evidence that the ground is two feet away. That's when I want to make a decision of obedience. And um, this, this story shows us that that's not what obedience feels like. Obedience feels like I can't see the solution. I can't see how things are going to work out, but I'm going to obey and trust God anyways, because this is an opportunity to take up my key of faith. And the third thing that I think um, faith involves is um, that God's kingdom is unlimited. God's kingdom is unlimited. It's abundant. And we live in this earthly kingdom where things are really limited, right? And we see a lot of scarcity and fear and worry, and we're just like, oh, I can't do that, God. But God isn't living in this realm. He's living in his spiritual kingdom, and he's building the kingdom of God all over the world. 
And that's where he's living. And he says, will you join me in the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is unlimited. I have unlimited resources in the kingdom of God. I have blessings and promises for you in the kingdom of God. And God can use this insignificant widow who's playing for the other team and he can bring about abundant, miraculous things in her life because she took a small step of faith when she saw her invitation. So what is God inviting you to this morning to take a step of faith in? You know, maybe it's um, a relationship situation, a marriage situation, job, um, health, kids. There's so many things that feel hopeless in our life sometimes that where the darkness is just closing in and it's an opportunity. Can we see those things as opportunities to pick up our key of faith? Now listen, the story of the widow and Elijah, it didn't stop where I stopped. It keeps going. So we're going to pick up in verse 17. And um, it says, sometime later, the woman's son became sick. He grew worse and worse and finally died. And then she said to Elijah, oh man of God, what have you done to me? Have you come here to point out my sins and kill my son? But Elijah replied, give me your son. And he took the child's body from her arms, carried him up the stairs to the room where he was staying, and laid the body on his bed. And then Elijah cried out to the Lord, O oh Lord my God, why have you brought this tragedy on this widow who's opened her home to me, causing her son to die? And he stretched himself out over the child three times and cried out to the Lord, O oh Lord my God, please let this child's life return to him. And the Lord heard Elijah's prayer. And the life of the child returned, and he revived. And then Elijah brought him down from the upper room and gave him to his mother. Look, he said, your son is alive. The woman told Elijah, now I know for sure that you are a man of God and that the Lord truly speaks through you. Whoa. Okay, this was a shocking turn of events, you know, like God just provided abundant provisions of um, flour and oil for her. And then we turn around and her son dies. It almost feels like a sick joke if you were living in this situation. Like, what just happened? I just trusted God and now this was just taken away from me. And it can feel like another hopeless situation. But God says, I don't work in the earthly kingdom. I work in my spiritual kingdom. It's an invitation. Will you take me at my word? Trust me. Pick up your key of faith. And she, she's blaming God for this situation, which is showing like she's moved the needle a little bit spiritually. She says, okay, God, you have the power of life. Why did you take it away? Okay, and so she says, she's complaining to Elijah to do something about it, you know? And she thinks it's because of her sin. But God isn't here to condemn us for our sin. But he is saying, trust me, and I will show you resurrection power. And Elijah, with empathy and compassion, takes this son, 
brings him to the upper room, and then he lays on him, which is kind of weird, but what I want you to know about that is that sometimes um, miracles in the Bible, they're like acted out physically as well as like um, spiritually. So it's like this interceding that he's doing for his physical body and, his spirit, and the spiritual um, crying out to God. So it's, it's okay. <laughs> but this is an invitation that the widow has to be a part of the central story of the gospel, where we are given resurrected life. And so this is a moment where God is saying, I'm in charge of life and death. I'm in charge of the rain and the lack of rain, the fertility of the land, the infertility of the land. And not only am I in charge of all that, but I can bring life out of death. I am that powerful. And he is the giver of life for all people. There is no one that is unavailable to God. And so this um, seemingly insignificant act of faith all of a sudden like brings this woman into the prophetic, um, like forever resurrection life that we are all offered. And there's nothing, there's nothing that you cannot rise from with God's power. There is nothing. You've been offered resurrection, life, and power, and there's nothing that you cannot rise from with God's help. Um, and I want you to see that this story isn't out of your reach, you know? The things that happened in this story is not out of your reach in your life of faith. Um, this, this story shows how limited and, uh, our human perspective is but how unlimited um, God's real realm is. The, the way that he is working in this world is unlimited. And he offers us the same thing. Faith really involves shif shifting then our perspective from what, what we think can be accomplished in this, this limited view of, of seeing our circumstances and really awakening to God's realm and, and how he is living in the kingdom. And he says, I have unlimited resources for you. I am enough. You're not, you're not in this situation, but I am enough. Trust me. See this as an opportunity. Um, and really, the, the widow, her miracle, it came on the other side of taking that invitation. She did not see how that miracle was going to happen beforehand. She didn't. But the miracle was on the other side of her taking the invitation of faith. And there are two verses that I like to hold on to when I'm in um, limited view situations, right? And I'm struggling. One is Ephesians 3.16. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. I love this verse because it tells us about who God is. He is unlimited and he has provided unlimited resources through his spirit that lives in me. I'll tell you what, Liz Powell's pretty limited, <laughs> but God isn't. And, and that gives me so much assurance, the assurance of things unseen. Sometimes I don't feel like there's unlimited resources, but I trust in who God says he is. And I have to sometimes 
go back and read and read and make myself trust as I meditate on Scripture. This other verse is 2 Peter 1.3. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We've received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. God's given you everything you need to follow him in faith. He's given it to you. You don't have to like try really hard to do all this stuff. He's, he said he's given it to you. You've been given the resources to follow him in faith. And then you trust the rest to him. You let go of the control, and he does the transformation in your life. He did the transformation in the widow's life. From one situation to the next, where she saw death, there was provision. And then where she experienced death again through her son, there was resurrected life. Miracles that she didn't even think were possible happened because she took up her key of faith. Some practical tips for us this morning. Um, one practice that's really good is to recall stories of faith that you, you know you've experienced in your life and um, write them down. Sometimes I like to go back and read stories that I have written down, and it encourages my own faith to be like, yes, God has worked here, 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 right? But then also something that we can do um, is tell other people. And so if you're in a small group, like a, VC, a vineyard community, um, it's really encouraging when I hear other people's faith stories, right? Where they tell of this hopeless situation and then they, they tell how God just like blew open the door and changed things and provided for them. Those are really encouraging stories from one member of faith to the other where we see, oh, God has worked so amazingly in your life. I can trust him. So write them down, share them with each other. And thank God for how he has worked in your life. And then expect him to work again. So what is the situation now that you need to trust God with? You know, the widow gave up the very last thing that she had on this earth. What situation to you feels like that's too costly? God, that's just too much. That's too impossible. I've already kind of shut that down. I don't think that that is an area you can work in. That situation, what is that? Bring it to faith in God and release control to him. See it as an invitation of faith to pick up your key. And thirdly, I would say um, is meditate. I can't get to my third slide. There we go. Meditate on an attribute of God. This is really helpful sometimes when you're lack, you know, when you feel like, oh, I'm lacking faith. I don't know. Well, faith is trusting in who God is. So think about something about who God is. An attribute is like a characteristic of him. Think about his abundant love for you this whole week. What if you dwelled on that, you know? That would change your perspective a little bit. It's not about thinking about who we think God is, but who he really says he is in scripture. 
Um, you could go to the Bible Projects uh, YouTube page. I've also listened to some of their uh, podcasts are really good. They have this new video that they came out with on a biblical theme of God's abundant or generosity. And it's talking about God as an abundant, generous God. And it's, it's, it was really fun for me to dwell on that um, uh, the past couple weeks when I was listening to their podcast. So sometimes it's good to get outside of your own head and really think about scripture and who God says he is. So do that. Um, and we're going to take some time to respond right now to God in worship and through communion. So if you would all stand with me. And if, if you would like to pray with me this morning, um, we're just going to hold our hands out and say, God, we, we come before you with what little faith we have, um, with the situations in our life that seem hopeless, that seem just full of darkness, where we have, we have longed for things to change and we are just not sure that you can bring hope in this situation. Holy Spirit, I pray that you fill us, fill us with new life, with peace, with the divine things of you, that you've given us everything we need to follow you, Holy Spirit. Come. And I pray that thing that we're really struggling with, that you just release it right now to God. God, I release control to you. It feels so good, God, when I can hold on to the control and I just think I've got it all figured out. But God, you've asked me to live differently. And so we release that control to you. And we ask this morning that we would take the invitation of faith that you've given us and we would really trust in who you are. God, we love you and we ask you to come work in our lives and um, do the things that, are, that we see, see as impossible. Bring miracles and healing and, and break darkness and the things that are holding us back. Come, God, we ask for the things of you in our life. We love you, Jesus, and we pray these things in your name. Amen. So we're going to be worshiping um, for the next two songs. And during that time, you can feel free to come up during to take communion. We have open communion. Anybody can is welcome to the table. We have two on either side of the stage, one in the back. They're all gluten-free. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me.